The key thesis, this idea of being radically normal, it's as a pastor, I so often saw Christians who felt like if they weren't missionaries to China, if they weren't um, like doing the really crazy spiritual stuff, they couldn't be a full, like a wholehearted Christian. Like they could be okay Christians, but to really be a really on fire Christian meant like literally selling everything and moving to China. And I really was trying to grapple with this. And that's some of the doubts I had early on was, well, if I'm not in ministry, does that mean can I really serve God if I'm not in ministry? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light in all seasons of life around us. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family. And join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. Author Josh Kelly has come to a realization. He doesn't have to outdo other Christians to follow God. A past pastor and bartender, Kelly knows what God wants him to do, and that's help other people write their testimonies. Listen, everyone, this is a lesson that's meant for a lot of you out there, including yours truly. Here's Josh. Josh, hi. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Thank you, Yvette. Glad to be here. Well, I really wanted to talk to you today because uh, you had a really interesting background, and I, you, have a, you have a book out now that I think really, really works well with the, the subject of, of our show. Um, yeah. And then you're also, you know, you're providing a service that's going to help people really bring out their stories. So for all, right. all these reasons, I'm really happy to have yeah. you here. So I just want to jump right into it. Is that okay? That's awesome. Let's go for it. Okay. So you've got like this really interesting, well, first of all, let me introduce you. So sure. <laughs> to everybody else. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so obviously Josh Kelly and right now you are an author and you're also providing, uh, coaching and writing mm -hmm. services, which is amazing. And we're yeah. going to get to that, but I also mm -hmm. want to talk about your, your, your past. So, sure. uh, a pastor and a bartender, you've got yeah, that yeah. In your background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not many people get to call themselves a pastor turned bartender and then add on by still love Jesus. Uh, <laughs> the first time I was, uh, so I'll get back to kind of love the story of how I got there. But I remember one of the earlier times as I started bartending, I saw this gal who I knew from a church I used to work at years ago. She came into my bar and I saw her eyes flit to my ring finger as if to make sure I was still married, you know, cause wait, if you're, you used to be pastor Josh, now you're bartender. What, what happened? And it's like, no, I, I still love Jesus, you know, and I'm still <laughs> serving him just as much here as anywhere else. Uh, but my stories definitely got different. Um, so I, uh, in short, just a really good Christian kid, grew up in a good household. I mean, we're, my family is quirky, no doubt about it. We've got all sorts of oddities about us, but good loving parents and, you know, really tried our best. And so I, you know, grew up loving Jesus. So there's no sex, drug or drugs or rock and roll in my background. I mean, some Christian rock and that's about it. Um, you know, all these sort of things. Uh, and I became, uh, I, I, so grew up in the church, uh, worked with a youth with a uh, missions group called YWAM youth of the mission and then became a pastor. And 
towards the end, let's see, I've been doing that about 13, 14 years, and I um, wrote this book called Radically Normal, and it was um, driven by a lot of beliefs of something that's, that I believe very strongly in, kind of the, uh, the, the key thesis, this idea of being radically normal. It's, as a pastor, I so often saw Christians who felt like if they weren't missionaries to China, if they weren't um, like doing the really crazy spiritual stuff, they couldn't be a full, like a wholehearted Christian. Like they could be okay Christians, but to really be a really on fire Christian meant like literally selling everything and moving to China. Mm. And I really was trying to grapple with this. And that's some of the doubts I had early on was, well, if I'm not in ministry, does that mean can I really serve God if I'm not in ministry? And I really came to believe, let's see, what's the best way to summarize this? That, that you can be a fully wholehearted, devoted follower of Christ, no matter where you're at. And that some people are given a job that is, voca their vocation is missions or is being a pastor. But um, that doesn't necessarily make them better Christians. Um, it, if you're in the ministry, you're going to have different, a different set of temptations and challenges than, say, as a bartender. I mean, in fact, I'll say for myself, uh, being a pastor was more, uh, more of a, provide more temptations for my sin than for, than I, than when I was a, a bartender. And so let how, me kind how of, so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let, tell yeah, us about yeah, that. Absolutely. So, you know, growing up in a good, uh, good, uh, good church and going to a good youth group and all this, I, you'd, they'd be preaching a lot and talking about, they describe life as like this path that's walking along this cliff, Right. And there, here's this cliff along the side, and on the other, on the cliff is like you know, um, listening to, to secular music, sleeping with your girlfriend, drinking and and lying, and there's all these destructive sins over here that they're warning me against. And I, I heard that lit, let, that message loud and clear, and I like stayed far away from that from that uh, cliff. But what I didn't know, and I don't think other people realize it, that on the other side of the path, there's another cliff. That's the cliff of self-righteousness, of spiritual pride, of, mm -hmm. of, of spiritual snobbery. That's the cliff that I, I didn't just wander off of. I cannonballed off of that one. Wow. I, mean, I, I would literally like kind of like size people up in my youth group. It's like, okay, well, they listen to Metallica. So they're a yeah, so-so Christian. And, and uh, I heard they had a drink or he's sleeping with his girlfriend. I'm not even sure he's saved, you know? And I had all these things. So I was very safe from this cliff. Yeah. That I was falling off of this cliff, and the kind of the the heartbeat of my church is, sorry, of my book is to guide people along that that middle path between the two cliffs. So I'm like totally into this, right? Because I I can I can I can know what understand what you mean because you're kind of talking about this middle. You know, you're using your hand saying middle, and what I think sometimes is sometimes we are. I'm using my hands differently. We're, we're walking across this kind of, you know, normal, you know, type of path with not yeah. a lot of highs and lows. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, is that enough? Am I giving God enough? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I totally know where you're coming from. Yeah. And it's there, there's so much of, of understanding that God has a different story of grace with each of us. And this is such a, like, this is a big theme for my life. And when I talk to people, is that the way God interacts with all of us, it's just a bizarre story. And you can go back and you can see in hindsight how like A connected to C, connected to G, connected to Z, back to A. And you can see how God was working the whole way. And you talk to people who became Christians later in life and the sort, whole sort of things that God did to get them there. We have a different story of grace, each and every one of us. And um, we need to rejoice in that story of grace and stop trying to assume that other people's story of grace is going to look like ours. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so for some people, being in the ministry is what God's called them to. For some people, being a school teacher, being a first responder, being a garbage man, or you know, whatever, that's what God's called them to. And he's given them their own thing to do within that. And rather than looking at someone else's story and look being envious of them because they get to their pastor or whatnot, or being judgmental of them because they're a bartender, um, just allow them to be in their own story of grace. And mm. so what I was saying earlier about how um, the, uh, the temptation for me was greater as a pastor than as a bartender is that um, my bigger issues are spiritual pride and snobbery. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of smart. That's been my thing. I know the Bible reasonably well, and I place so much of my identity into that. And so being in a past, being a pastor, just fit, just, it, it, it really aided that. That was like an alcoholic working at a bar a lot of times. And I'm not saying I was like this Pharisee or anything, but I certainly had ongoing challenges there. In the bar scene, I have no interest in in having an affair. I have no interest in in being an alcoholic. I I mean, I've seen the effects of sin in life where, you know, you give me a choice between having an affair and beating my head in with a hammer. I'm going to choose the hammer because I know what happens when you go down that road. Um, Now, which came came first, being a pastor or the bartender? A pastor. So, yeah, I was a pastor for about 15 years. So so I was a pastor for 15 years. wrote my book. Um, then we had to close my church because of just a lot of different things. Um, among other things, I'm, I'm a really good uh, communicator, but I'm so bad at so many other parts of being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just not a great administrator. My idea of counseling is, you know, read the Proverbs and call me in the morning, you know, stop being stupid is basically my idea of counseling. Okay. And you're honest. You're honest. <laughs> I'd really hope that my book would do well and I'd sell all these copies. And, you know, I was, Tr- uh, published with a traditional publisher. So I thought I was, you know, had all these big plans. Um, but now that happened. Instead, after we closed my church, we uh, sold our uh, house and drove around the country for eight months, packed our daughters up into a minivan and just drove around uh, the country. Then I came back from that. It's like, well, I, I need to make a living. And bartending works well because I, I'm good with people and I, I like the chaos. I'm, I'm pretty ADHD. And uh, so I was able to do that and then start working on another book during that time. So it's just, yeah. Sorry, I, I'm just, I'm just rattling on. I, no, I, no, no, no. I'm an old that's, preacher that's, microphone. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I've heard that before. I'll give an old preacher a microphone. No, no, no. I mean, there's a lot of things I think that what you're saying is going to resonate with people who are listening to this. It certainly resonates with me. So the idea of struggling with, you know, like, okay, you know, I don't have a lot of highs and lows. I, you know, I don't have uh, a lot of maybe stereotypical crises in my life. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, you know, is my testimony as good as, as someone else's? You know, someone right. else has had a, a big crisis in their life. I've struggled with that mm-hmm. myself. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I think what you're saying completely makes sense. And yeah. um, it's interesting though, the bartender. So I think that depending on kind of what we're doing, you know, God puts us places, right? I believe that. Right. And um, you were at the bar. So two questions. Mm-hmm. Did, you know, what did you do when people clearly had had enough to drink and you knew both both rationally, but also as a Christian yeah. that they needed to stop? So did you, yeah. you know, what did you do about that? And then also were there times, because, you know, everyone likes to talk to a bartender, were there times that you actually could share some of your faith with your, with your patrons. So those two questions. Yeah. 
So, so great question. So the first one in terms of uh, someone being intoxicated, that uh, Washington state law, I could I could lose my light, my liquor license if I serve someone who's intoxicated. Okay. So um, I had I would have I would occasionally have to cut people off, and um, I wouldn't I if whenever I went to go look for a new job, sometimes I'd, I'd switch it up. I would have to I would make sure that that bar allowed me to practice that because that's for my own safety, mm-hmm. and that that's just you know the reality is um, I I don't want I don't want to be a part of that, and I legally can't. Um, also, I worked at good bars. I don't I worked at places where people were mostly responsible, and you occasionally have issues. Um, in terms of kind of like that counseling role is very rare. I, I kind of ha- had the, I thought that maybe it happened more, but there were a couple moments where you had that, um, you had that opportunity. And uh, like one guy came in and he just asked for water and he was there for a while and just kind of moping around with the water. And I was just getting ready to say, Hey man, I'm sorry, the seats are for patrons only. And then he told me about something that's happening with his, with his fiance. It's like, okay, God, you had, you set this up and I I believe I was able to give him some good advice and you know, whether or not he used it, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So each day that I pulled up to work, I I would pray, okay, God, I pray that uh, help me to glorify and honor you and all that I do today. Help me to bless uh, my owner, the the manager, my coworkers and all my customers. And that was my mindset every day. Um, I didn't always feel it. But there's, you know, the statement in Corinthians, it says, uh, whether you eat, drink, eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And that was my perspective. Um, and I, w- I frequently had people asking me, so like, are you the owner? It's like, nope, just a bartender. But because I saw it as God's bar, that, that is my calling to work there, um, I took responsibility. And um, even, you know, days I wasn't happy, it's like, no, this is, I'm going to do a great job because I'm doing this as unto Jesus. And I think that's a, a view, perspective you need to have no matter what you do, ministry or not, everything is under God, unto God. And some things are seen and credited. Some things will never, won't be rewarded until heaven. But uh, I believe all of us need to keep that mindset regardless of what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can be in any situation. Um, I know people who work in prisons and those mm, are very, wow. there's a, that's very difficult jobs, right? Yeah, it is. But sometimes there are those opportunities um, yeah. to share to share faith. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. But it can yeah. also happen in in a lot in a lot of different places. You know, yeah. it, even in the traditional office setting where I think people tend to shy away from it, it can happen. Um, yeah. Maybe not so much at schools, just because you know people have a weird thing about that. But I, I don't know. It, it could it could happen. So yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just well, especially a lot of circumstances really uh, dictate that you have to be very cautious. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a teacher situation and all these things is like you, you, you have to just be praying, God, get, show me the opportunities. And you may it may end up being with a coworker that, that the conversation comes up more than with any of the students. You know, you don't know. You just have to understand that here we get come back to that story of grace thing. Mm-hmm. God's working a story of grace in, in, in with all your kids, all your coworkers. He's work. He's doing some work. I really believe that. And if we we have to be able to trust that God's doing a work in someone else. So just like uh, Paul said, you know, um, Apollos planted, I watered, I can't remember exactly who did what, but this, 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 you don't have to be frantic to get every piece of the gospel to every single person you meet because God's doing this bigger picture and you need to do the part that God's called you to. And in your office, it might just be not being a jerk as a Christian because there's other people in your office or used to associating Christians with hypocrisy or being a jerk or whatever 
and just being a, a decent person as a Christian, that might be your only job. But you need to be listening to the Holy Spirit because sometimes someone will just say a one little thing in a conversation and you just know, I need to follow up on that. Yeah, I mean, living our lives as, you know, walking with Christ and living our lives as he would have us live them as much as we humanly can because we're we're all flawed humans um, yeah. is important. And there, and there are a lot of stereotypes about Christians. So I, I, I imagine you're right. If you just... If you just do you and you're just trying your best, then maybe that, as you said, that alone is your job to do. Hey, all. I would like to take a break from my conversation with Josh and talk with you about another Christian podcast. The Create Your Earth Life podcast is hosted by Janessa Staples, who came from the New Age, where she practiced tarot cards, Reiki, meditation, yoga, runes, and was consistently celebrating the sins of this fallen world. This pandemic had her feeling like something was missing. She knew it was God, but she did not know Christ. After months of trying many ways to connect with God, she was finally saved in the summer of 2020. Now she shares her journey of converting, Bible studies focused on getting to know Jesus, and she has guests on to share their testimonies, all on the Create Your Earth Life podcast. This podcast is for everyone. Create Your Earth Life is on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. You can read Janessa's upcoming Christian blog and navigate to new podcast episodes on createyourearthlife.com. you mentioned to me earlier that joy you can find joy in the bible so even more than other other words that you would expect and so let's talk about joy a little bit what does that mean to you well i'll I'll go and i grab a copy of book because so i can read just this little portion because i so i can get my my numbers right um okay but basically when i was working on this book one of the things i did is i uh searched for all the places that the word joy uh the, in both looking at the Hebrew and the Greek, so Old Testament, New Testament, all the places where joy or uh, the synonyms occurred in the Bible. And I came up with um, about 730 verses that listed joy. And that's a lot of verses. That's I mean, a lot of verses. Literally, that's more than more than verses that, can, that uh, have the word uh, peace, grace, love. Joy is all over the place in the Bible. I mean, all over the place. And ju- then what I did is I took all those and I printed those verses out. And um, I like I like to save paper because I'm cheap. And so I like got down to like half inch margins and like really tiny font. And I printed out all those verses. It's still 48 pages worth of verses about joy. And I literally read through all of them and made notations to kind of like what was, you know, what was this joy about? What's kind of going on? And one of the things that really hit me right away is, that joy, I'm sorry, joylessness and Christianity should be antonyms. Mm-hmm. When you look at how much the Bible talks about joy, I believe that joy is the proper motivation of the Christian life, seeking joy in God. And then from there, also joy in the things that God has made. Because I, if I remember correctly, roughly about a fifth of the time the Bible talks about joy, it's talking about joy in earthly things. Mm-hmm. whether it's eating a meal, uh, enjoying the wife of your youth, or all these different things, that to enjoy a good sunset, um, to enjoy uh, um, friendships, these are God-honoring joys. 
And so joy itself is something that honors God. And I would go so far as to say, even when non-Christians experience joy, they're getting a little glimpse of heaven. Mm. Um, joy, I believe, is a, is a tiny reflection of heaven. And non-Christians will get these little glimpses, and they may not recognize where it's coming from, but that that's there. And so, again, just I think, again, joy is the proper motivation for the Christian life. And that this is very much, that's a very big C.S. Lewis thing, and I, I'm very indebted to him for everything he said. Mm, yeah, no, I, I really agree with you. Um, I had, a, I had a, a blog post and a podcast last fall. I had been inside a lot. I just, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Anyway, I went out one day. Did I had to? I had to go outside for a kind of a uh, an on campus event, and I didn't want to go. But I, I got outside. It was a beautiful day. It was fall uh, mm. here in Oklahoma, and it was just it was it was so marvelous. And it was like God was just telling me, just get outside. So I know what you mean by that. And one thing on the show and on my website, I always talk about choosing joy. I talk mm-hmm. about I talk about looking looking for God in the everyday and then, mm. and then finding his joy in the details. Yeah. They, they're not, I mean, you can find it. And I know that is hard. My sister's just had a health, had a real health scare, mm-hmm. which I, I just blogged about. And it's been really difficult trying to, trying to find the joy in that is difficult. Um, she's much better. So obviously I can find the joy in that, but just yeah. little things like we had to, we had to get a new apartment because she needed to be on the first floor. And mm-hmm. not only was one available, it had the best view ever. I'm jealous. Right. So <laughs> I'm like, thank, thank you, God. That's, I mean, that's going to make it such a nice place for her. And I mean, right. you've got, you've got to see it like that. You can get too yeah. wrapped up and too caught up in, in what maybe we call anti-joy, just, just yeah. life, just the, yeah. the, the everyday. That's, and I like to say, find God in the everyday, because if we don't look for God in the everyday, you will find the opposite. Yeah. You will find the opposite. Well, there, it's very, it, what you focus on determines so much of what happens. Now, there are things that just bad things that happen. I'm not saying to have a Pollyannish view about everything. No, no, there, sometimes life is very hard. And I, you know, I, I've known that, you know, as well. Um, you know, I've been fortunate in some ways, but but less fortunate in others. Um, but I think of, again, from C.S. Lewis, he talked about his mother. He said that um, uh, her family went to joy like the uh, like an experienced passenger on the bus knows exactly which seat's the best seat to go for. Mm, wow. And I, I'm not getting the words quite right, but you know, you know how you see that. Like there's someone you can tell they've been, that they take this bus all the time because they know exactly which is the best seat. Uh-huh. That her, his family... Her, his mother's family went to joy like that. And there should be something in us that is eager to find the joy. Now, are things sometimes not joyful or they're painful? Yes. And I'm not trying to minimize that. But there can be an expectation of joy versus an expectation of misery. And um, what you expect there a lot of times is what you'll find, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, counsel in the Bible where God says, you know, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, just follow me, yeah. you know, go, you know, the fruits of the spirit. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. try to have a positive mindset. And, and again, that is hard. We've been, we've had a very, very difficult last few years. Yeah. Uh, the countries at each other's throats. I mean, there's lots of going on. And then in Oklahoma and many other places we had this, we just recently had this terrible storm mm, and right, it is yeah. so easy to go to the dark. Yeah, but we cannot let ourselves do that. We're not going to feel any better going to the dark. I mean, even even if sometimes you want to wallow a little bit, just to have a little little pity party, but that doesn't make you feel better. You've, we've yeah. got to go to the light whenever we can. And so, 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you can help my listeners pull out their own stories yeah. and maybe, and maybe even see, you know, their own ideas of joy, but obviously, yeah. so you've written this book mm-hmm. and um, as you know, not every, not everyone feels like they are an author, you know, not everybody mm-hmm. really, but I, but I know your tagline is you've got a book in you. So yeah. what, how do you work with people? So here's, you know, we hear the term ghostwriter quite a bit. And I know I always kind of thought it was a negative thing, like, oh, you know, why don't you write your own book? But the reality is I've spent, you know, good, you know, 15 plus years honing my ability as a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I've written a ton. I've read a ton about writing. I've, you know, I've just, I've spent all that time studying how to become a good writer. Now you talk to someone else like, uh, you know, a politician who spent that same amount of time hopefully serving people, not taking advantage of them, or a pastor who spent all the time in, in ministry, or whatever it is, um, they have spent that same amount of time or more strength doing something else that's very valuable. So the idea of a ghostwriting is you have this partnership of, I've studied writing, you've had this great experience or this great wisdom, let's work together because there's no reason for you to spend another 15 years learning how to write. There's no need to do it. And so the best uh, ghostwriting relationships are when it really is a relationship where you have someone who has a, a great life story, a great story to tell, great lessons to teach. Uh, so one of my current clients, he uh, is a high-end leadership coach, and he's a pretty decent writer, but not as good of a writer as I am, just like he's a way better leadership person than I am. And so I'm working with him to, um, I, I like uh, take his teachings, I've listened to his teachings, I'll interview him, I'll ask him questions and say, hey, we need really need to get a story that helps develop this thought here. Um, and so we work together. Um, so that's a lot of what I do as a ghostwriter. But, you know, a lot of people say that they have, you know, they, that they're going to write a book someday. And that's, it's something we all say, not everyone needs to do not not everyone needs to write a book, you know, just like, we all have different things we're doing. But there are some people that God is calling to write a book. And um, there can be so much value in that, both in, in what you grew, you know, how you learn as when you write, but then also hopefully what you can give to other people. And so what I like to do is basically walk people through that process. So I do some coaching of like helping them figure out how, what they need to do. Uh, one gal, um, basically I'm going to help her write her first three chapters. And then after that coach her through writing the rest of them, because she wants to write her own stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to teach her how to become a better writer. Um, there's a lot of services out there that really comes down to um, what, is your end product? What's your purpose? What's your goal? And that's my question for everyone about anything. What are you trying to do? So if your goal is to uh, write some stories to pass on to your family about, uh, you know, about your life, that's awesome. That is, that's, that's a great thing. But that also means you're probably not going to want to spend 20, uh, you know, 15 to 25 grand hiring a ghostwriter <laughs> to, to do that. True. Um, you know, and, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's completely uh, appropriate. It's kind of like, so that to say, you know, what is it that you want to do? If you really believe God's given you a message that needs to be seen on a larger stage, that's where you either, A, um, start learning the tools to be able to write well, or B, hire a ghostwriter who can help you do, you do that. Um, but again, it's, a, it's, you have to know what it is you're trying to do, what your goals are. 
Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes, as you said, you just want to put something down for posterity, you know, for, you know, for you, for the coming generation uh, in your family. I mean, maybe you're not really wanting to become a best-selling, you know, I mean, the publishing business is difficult. You know, you're not going to make a lot, not, you know, you might make a lot of money publishing. You're very, a book, very lucky. Yeah. But you're very, very lucky. Exactly. So a lot of people, I think, want to write for different reasons. So, and you just outlined many of them. So, yeah, yeah. So if people are interested, how can they find you? Uh, my website is joshkelly.inc. So my name, J-O-S-H-K-E-L-L-E-Y. There's that other E in there. And .inc, uh, I-N-K, like the stuff you write with. And so you can uh, you can find me there. And yeah, I have a couple resources there. Um, but mainly, I would say, uh, here's my first encouragement is just to write as much as you can. Journaling counts as writing, you know? Yeah. Journaling, uh, my, my wife uh, has journaled like prayer journals for since forever. Um, just start writing, journaling and doing things like that. And it may come together to something. Um, this is an odd ro recommendation to make, but uh, Stephen King's book on writing. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's a great book. It is a great book. That's the book that actually got me to start writing, to be quite honest. Uh, not because he made writing sound easy, but because he made it sound possible. He's very clear that that writing at the level that I wanted to write at would take an insane amount of work. I mean, it really, if you knew the hours that I've put into this, it, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but it's what God's called me to do, so it's worth it's worthwhile. Um, but so if someone's like, hey, I think I may have a story to tell, I, my main encouragement would be start writing, start writing. Keep notes. If you if you ever have any thought about this this book idea, just have a a, a, a you know word doc, a document in Word or whatever program you use, and just just put things away there. I have probably at any point have a dozen different book ideas in mind. I just kind of tuck things away, tuck them away, and then start studying what it means to write. And Stephen King's book is a great place to start. Yeah, like I said, I'm glad you mentioned that. And and to be clear. Uh, now, I love Stephen King because he is a horror writer and I love horror, but that is not what this book is about. So I don't want to put anybody off who like, oh, Stephen King, I wouldn't want. No, it's the first part of the book is actually a biography. And the second yeah. part is basically how to be a writer. So I don't want to yeah. put anybody off. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. That's that's really great. And do you focus mostly on nonfiction fiction? Do you do um, creative Just, writing like poetry? I don't do poetry. I don't have the patience to do it. Uh, poetry is is uh, very precise writing. And um, yeah, so most of my stuff has been creative nonfiction. So my book, Radically Normal, you know, obviously, is uh, you call creative nonfiction. It's mm -hmm. just telling how to live the Christian life. Um, but I've also done a memoir. Um, I've written a novel that's currently um, under consideration for um, I have a, a publishers looking at it. Um, so I do a little bit of everything. Um, in terms of ghostwriting, I I know there's ghostwriters who do fiction. I don't understand that myself. Uh, you know, it's it's my if I have a story to tell, I want to tell it. I can't imagine telling someone else's story, but there's people who do it. So you know, great, more power to them. Um, but really, it's mainly like uh, teaching stuff, especially having been a pastor for so long. I, you know, I have a, a fair sense of the Bible, and I can kind of sometimes add some content. Um, but like one of my first ones was was a memoir of this, you know, 83 year, year old gal and man, her story of the, you know, the work her and her husband did to build churches through being successfully uh, successful businessmen, a businessman, businesswoman. It's just like, it's so much fun. Well, thanks so much for taking this time and telling us about 
your really, really interesting background uh, and, 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 and in radically normal, how to live the Christian life. I, I love that so much because again, I feel like I've struggled with that from time to time. Um, and then also the, your services. So I appreciate you so much. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, Yvette. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, so good to be here. You've been listening to Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. And thank you so much for spending some time with us. Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts, with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.